We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what is going on everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl you can follow the podcast at pack a day podcast but joining me and the two people you really want to know about are the one and only Perry Goldstein. She of Packs What She Said fame. You can follow her on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. And he of ESPN Madison fame. He is Alex Strofe. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe. Friends, how the heck are you doing? Awesome, Andy. I hear you were uh, you were out this weekend. What'd you have going on? A little, little celebration of marital bliss is my understanding. Yeah, 15 years of marriage, which wow. seems insane because I know I only look 25. Uh, but <laughs> I was not married when I was 10. Uh, just uh, some weird logistical math there that you got to figure out somehow. But clearly, I'm not that old. So it's it's really difficult to understand and comprehend. But yeah, 15 years of marriage which is absolutely amazing. Super, super blessed. Uh, but yeah, we had a fun getaway to Door County and uh, nice. appreciate you and Jacob Westendorf for filling in for me. I know you get to do two episodes in three days, which is super fun. So yeah, excited to be talking with you guys. High usage rate for me. Well, congratulations. Good to have you back. Hi, Perry. Uh, wonderful to see you as well. How the heck are you? It's so nice to be with you guys. I'm great. I leave for Wisconsin in two days, Ooh. actually landing in like 48 hours, and I can't wait to be up there. Super exciting. You're going to the game, I assume, this weekend? Yeah, we're going to the preseason game, going to see joint practices, get to see the Saints. Can't wait. Should be amazing. Week. We've got a really fun episode because we've got really fun stuff to talk about. I mean, a lot to talk about. We had returns from injuries. We had kicker transactions. We had new injuries. We had a practice that we get to talk about. We had some interesting offensive line shuffling. We've got a preseason game to talk about. We've got everything, but Harry, I'm just going to let you kick it off. Why don't you tell all of our listeners who already know the good news, but the the three good pieces of news that we got from Matt LaFleur in his pre-practice press conference. Oh yeah, we got some great, great information today. We're all very excited. I probably sound very sarcastic. I'm not. It's awesome <laughs> because Elton Jenkins, Christian Watson, and Bobby Tunyon were activated off the pup and we're back at practice today, which is huge for a couple of reasons. One being three really important pieces to this offense. And two, that it means that they 
will not be on the pup to start the season, which means if they're ready, they could potentially play week one, which would be crazy for two players coming off an ACL from last season. So yeah, huge, huge news. Yeah. Alex, what were your initial thoughts when you heard the news today? Hell yeah. Right. Like I I was jacked. I mean, this was, this is really good news. Uh, And as Perry said, we're going to be really happy if two of the three of them uh, being obviously Tunyon and Jenkins are back for week one. I don't know how realistic it is. I'm not a doctor. Andy, I'm going to defer to you in a second because you were at practice. You can fill us in on what they were doing work-wise. But Christian Watson, we haven't seen him yet. So, like, I'm really hoping maybe we can get him in some preseason action the next two weeks. I don't know what the expectations are after the knee scope. But uh, I was I was jacked. I was super pumped about this. This was awesome news uh, to really start the brand-new week following Friday's preseason game. Yeah, big time. So you know, Matt LaFleur made it very clear right away that this is a part of the process, right? It's not like these three guys are just activated off the pup and are now 100% good to go. But there's a couple of things that we know for sure. A, it means that all three of them pass their physicals. So if in order to be activated, you have to pass your physicals. So it does mean that Jenkins, Watson, and Tunyon pass their physicals, which is huge news. Um, as far as practice and what they did, they're not going to do any team activities. It's probably not going to come for a while. I'd be surprised. I don't think Jenkins or Tunyon are playing any preseason. Maybe Watson uh, gets a cup of coffee in game three. I think that's probably best case scenario, but um, I think in all likelihood, all three are probably held until the regular season. We don't know if it means that all three will be ready for week one, but you have to believe that this does mean that they feel confident that all three will likely be ready within the first month of the season. Otherwise, there's really no advantage. In fact, there's a disadvantage to not you know, or to, to bring them off the pup, because if you bring them off the pup, you cannot put them back on the pup, which uh, the pup is really nice because if you, they stay on the pup all training camp long and you place them on the pup, you can do that prior to moving down to the 53 man roster, uh, which means that you don't have to cut people and then put them on it. You can just keep them on it the entire time. Whereas now, if they aren't ready for the first four weeks, what they'd have to do is add them to the 53 man roster to begin with, cut other players, subject them to waivers, and then put these players on IR, bring them back at some point, which there's a finite amount of IR returns that you get now. So it would just not make a ton of sense to bring these guys back if they're not going to be ready to go within the first month of the season. And Ooh. whether that's week one or week four, or there could be setbacks, who, who the heck knows, but like it just... It's an abundance of good news all at one time. We'll keep a very close eye on all three of them. I thought Watson looked phenomenal at practice. He was cutting all over the place, just in individual drills, but he was cutting all over the place. He looked incredibly spry. If Again, to the untrained non-doctor eye, you would have had no idea that this guy was ever injured in any capacity. So I thought he looked phenomenal. Tunyon and Jenkins working off to the side have looked ready for about three, you know, since about the start of training camp. Um, and again, untrained non-medical eye there as well, but uh, you can that these guys are, are chomping at the bit, ready to go. Elton Jenkins said after practice that, you know, he's got no issues and he's seemingly been ready for some time now. So there, there seems to be uh, no, no lack of good news here for those three players. Dude, that's so awesome because after, you know, a couple of weeks ago, when the last time we chatted, the three of us, we, we were just coming off more boxy already delays and setbacks and question marks, which is what it's been the last year. So it's, it's, it's a huge relief to finally get good injury news uh, from the Green Bay Packers. So that's, that is awesome. I'm pumped. And like how, how great, like 
we've been watching this Packers offense and we understand that it's not, it's not, it hasn't been fully functional yet. And there've been some issues. The defense has been winning more often than not, but like, you know, I think Packer fans are already ready to go into the season being like, all right, you know, you can get by with Yash and Runyon and Myers, you know, maybe a, you know, a Zach Tom or a Royce Newman, you know, a couple of those guys, you know, you can probably get by with, you know, Tyler Davis and, you know, uh, you know, a couple of the tight ends, Josiah DeGuara, Dominic Daphne, Mercedes Lewis until Tonyan gets back. Like, you know, Watson, well, you know, Romeo Dobbs and you've got all these, you know, Amari Rogers stepping up. Like you're looking at all these spots and be like, all right, you can get by all these, some of these guys, but man, imagine if all of a sudden Elton Jenkins, Robert Tunyon, Christian Watson, and maybe hopefully eventually David Bakhtiari are ready to go. Like you were ready to roll out this offense week one without any of those guys. And now all of a sudden three of the four potentially back, at least early in the season. I mean, it's just such an amazing piece of news for, for the offense who, who needed some, some help to be frank. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, Offensive line has been such a conversation this offseason, and we talked about it. Um, I think one of our last episodes where Andy had his really great um, analogy about the baseball rotation aces, and like Elton Jenkins is one of your aces, and you just get such a better foundation when he's playing, no matter where it is. I saw actually, I think it was Rob Domovsky tweeted about him taking reps, if you will, practices at right tackle. So you know, maybe that means we feel like box coming back and now we have our anchors on either side, either way. It's like, it's all, it's all good news. And we'll get into this a little bit, but I think for me, like the tight end room has been a huge question mark and very much so after this preseason game and way less questions. If you have Tunyon out there as your like kind of main pass catching tight end. Yeah. So what, what Domovsky was saying and, and what we saw is that he was taking, uh, he was just like individual work. It was just him by himself, but how his stance was and how he's getting up out of his stance. It was a, like a right tackle stance. He wasn't on the opposite. It wasn't like a left side. wasn't anything like that. So um, it would seem to make the most sense that right tackle could be his home. He, like, as, as we start looking at the, the offensive line in like peak form, right. You're probably, you know, Bakhtiari is not going anywhere. He like, he's the one guy that you're not messing with his position in any way, shape or form. So he'd be your left tackle. And even if he's out, right, like Yash's most natural position is, is left tackle. And I think it's been a little bit of a tell that over the last like week or so with all the offensive line shuffling, Yash is not at right anymore. And I feel, I feel like this is just gut feel here that like once they had a feel that maybe Elton is going to be back in time, that they're just like, you know what, we're going to put the kibosh on Yash at uh, right <laughs> tackle. Uh, no rhyme intended. Um, and we're just, nice gonna I know, right. We're going to focus him at left tackle because we, you know, we know Elton's going to be ready at right. And it just, it seems to make the most sense. And then everything else falls into place running. We'll talk about in a second at left guard Myers at center. And then all of a sudden now you've got Rice Newman, Zach, Tom, maybe a Sean Ryan, maybe a Cole Van Lannon. Like you've got a lot of different guys that you could potentially rotate in at that right guard spot if you need to and see who ultimately wins that role. But it just seems to make the most sense that Elton would long-term end up at right tackle. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hmm. Uh, I, I, that's the first I've heard that. So that's, that's, that's new to me, right? Like I, I've always said, I'm like infamously bad at the trenches. I just can't, I'm not good at evaluating line play, but when I hear question marks and read question marks, like we have the last couple of weeks on Twitter and, and Packer report and everywhere we read, uh, it's good to, it's good to hear obviously the Elton news, but some clarity on what's going to happen on that right side, letting obviously Billy Turner go from a year ago. So, uh, good news, Andy, thanks for dumbing that down for me. So I understand more. <laughs> Always here for you, buddy. Uh, we did we did have some bad news, some bad news on the injury front. Uh, Dallin Lovett sounds like he's going to be out an extended period of time. It sounds like his injury was pretty serious. It sort of looked at at the time when he forced the fumble in the 49ers game. You could see his arm kind of go limp right away. Don't know exactly uh, the you know how long or the injury, what and those sort of things yet. But uh, Matt Lafleur did mention that it was not a short term type of thing. And then we had other players that were missing from practice due to injury, including Tariq Carpenter, Tipa Naliai, Juwan Winfrey, KBN and Akil Byers. All those were new additions to the injury list. Um, Byers was seen in a walking boot on the sideline. Um, so that's always, you know, not usually a great sign. We did have some returns to practice though, as well. Uh, Devontae Wyatt returned to practice. Randall Cobb did as well as Randy Ramsey. So it was sort of like a mixed bag of like some good news of players coming back, some bad news players dropping out that just sort of the, you know, day-to-day in the NFL, it feels like, but full list of players that were not participating was Juwan Winfrey, Tipa Naliai, KB Nento, Akil Byers, Dallin Levitt, Tariq Carpenter, Dominique Daphne, Innes Gaines, Darnell Savage, David Bakhtiari, Dante Vaughn, Mason Crosby, Cole Schneider, and Kylan Hill. So still a plethora of injuries. Matt LaFleur did mention of the new injuries that only Levitt he was concerned about from a long-term issue. So uh, the rest of those hopefully aren't anything too crazy long-term, but again, you never want to see a guy in a walking boot either. So we'll just have to kind of monitor those injuries going forward. Thoughts on injury list, Perry? I feel like this, maybe I'm misremembering, but I, it just feels like once pads come on and there's real contact, like in a preseason game, like this is bound to happen. And as long as nothing's too serious, I mean, you hate, I hate to hear about players getting hurt before the season starts, it just like breaks my heart. But as long as any, nothing's too serious, I think it sounds like they should be fine. 
Yeah, no, I, I think so too. And we'll, we'll obviously monitor these. Mason Crosby's a big one there. David Bakhtiari, Darnell Savage, some of those are definitely going to be worth monitoring very closely. But tough to be too bogged down in bad injury news when you have a day where Jenkins, Watson, and Tunyon come back off the pup list. So we're going to stay in the realm of positive there. Um, the other transaction for the day, uh, Burkich is out at kicker. They released him on Sunday and they signed wow. Ramiz Ahmed. Um, I don't have a huge Ramiz Ahmed scouting report. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys do, but I will say uh, just at practice, um, you could just see the ball came off his foot with, a, I would say, a more relative ease than what it was coming off of Burkich's foot. Like Burkich, you could almost see like he was trying to like aim and you just, it, there wasn't a lot of pop off of his foot. And it, it was announced that he was dealing with an injury in the last game. Um, so he was trying to kick through an injury, which is why probably some of the issues with uh, kicking off and they were doing some, you know, trying to sky the kicks a little bit more and not do deep balls and I'm sure it affected him on the like miss of like 30 some yards. Can we so, talk about that place? Can we, can yeah, we just, just for one it. second? Like I talked about it a couple days ago here on pack a day, but like it, it still blows my mind 48 hours later, how poorly that kick was missed. Like I, I, I used an analogy of like the 50 cent first pitch at that New York Mets game a couple years back. We've all seen the gif. It was just like a wild miss from the plate. This was just as bad. It went, it went past the tunnel to like the left corner stands. And I know he was dealing with an injury, so I hate to kick a guy while he's down, but that has to be one of the worst place kicks I've ever seen, Andy. It, it probably was. I can't think of anything worse. Um, it definitely is kicking a guy when he's down because dude gets, hurts his hamstring, has to kick through it, which I'm sure was not easy, yeah. and then gets released the very next day after kicking through a hamstring injury. So I uh, definitely feel for the guy. Like I'm sure that maybe this would have gone down. Not a bad. little bit different had uh, he'd been kicking consistently through camp and maybe they want to keep him around, but um, he had been inconsistent through camp too. Nothing that bad, no bad misses in, in that way. But uh, th- th- this was, I think, coming almost no matter what. So I feel for the guy, but that, that was an ugly, ugly, ugly kick. All of it's a moot point anyway, because we know that Mason Crosby is the starter. So fair, fair point. just need like a body that's good enough as a backup at this point. Yes and no, right? But like, we don't know if Mason's ready for week one. So like, it is it, this injury that bad? Do we know the severity of it? No. I so ask like, that, Andy. Yeah. So like, we we think and maybe hope that he's ready to go week one. Um, and I think we can hope, like you know, try to manifest it into existence. But uh, I don't know that there's like a guarantee, one hundred percent lead pipe lock that Mason's ready to go week one yet. So, okay, um, so we'll see. Going touchdowns and two point conversions only. Only exactly. So. Um, you know, I would think, and this is just, again, me thinking out loud here, no inside info. I would think if Mason wasn't going to be ready for week one, that they'd be showing a bit more urgency and there'd probably be a couple different kickers in camp and trying to work some of this stuff out and, and that, so I think it's probably headed in that direction. But, um, until we see that, I think there's at least has to be some level of like, cause even if it's like week two, right? Like not having Mason Crosby week one and throwing Ramiz Ahmed out there could lose you a game week one. Like, and that could be not insignificant when it comes down to final standings at the end of the year. So uh, we'll see, but as of right now, minor kicker transaction that could turn out to be a major kicker transaction if Crosby's out longer than we think, but hopefully he's back and ready to go week one. I don't mean to take this off the rails, but just real quick question. We'll get it over with. Do the Packers have like an emergency kicker? Like Randall Cobb is the emergency quarterback, right? Like who's, the emergency kicker in case like Crosby was to get hurt and they don't have a second one signed. Is that to answer him? I would assume it would be Pat O'Donnell. Usually. Oh yeah, I guess so. And- okay. But punter aside, like go past the punter. Who would it be then? 
I want like skill position. You need Justin Reed for the Chiefs, who's out there (laughs) kicking extra points. Like he's kicked off for the Texans in the past. Like that's a crazy. The interesting one, and we're way off the rails now, but like the interesting thing is like in uh, the last couple of years. Tipa has practiced as the emergency long snapper and actually done a really good job at it. Um, he hasn't been, I, I forget who it was. I, I want to say it was, I don't remember who it was. It doesn't matter. But like, it wasn't Tipa doing the emergency long snapping. So that was semi-interesting, but huh. that's, I know maybe there's having Tipa focus. He's too good of an edge rusher. You can't risk him at long snapping, I guess, but um, <laughs> no, that'll be, it'll be interesting. Hopefully we never have to figure out who the emergency kicker is, Alex, especially fair if point. we get past Pat O'Donnell too. Yeah. Then we're in really <laughs> bad we're in, we're definitely very fair point. point conversion, fourth down attempts only at that point. Sorry, so. the ADHD coming out on a Sunday night. Anyway, let's continue. All right, let's do a quick practice <laughs> breakdown. I was, I had the opportunity to attend practice. It was a close practice, only about hour, hour, or hour and 20 minutes, I should say, somewhere around there. Um, they wanted to focus on guys who didn't play in the game. So a lot of starters, uh, but uh, Kingsley and Igbari had a phenomenal game. I, he, he, listen, er, phenomenal practice. He had been one of the more quiet players all throughout training camp up until the preseason game. I thought he played very well in the preseason game and then followed it up. I think he had like three or four pressures on Sunday's practice. And um, again, in a shorter practice. So uh, he he seems to be putting the pieces together a little bit. Um, the final two minute period was very fun. Offense drives all the way down the field, fourth and 10. Uh, they get a uh, Randy Ramsey jumping off sides, uh, free play, uh, which gives Rogers an attempt at the end zone. Doesn't go well. Rizul Douglas picks it off. It didn't really matter because Rogers was just throwing it there, whatever. But they get another play. And Enigbare comes off the edge against Royce Newman. Immediate pressure in Rogers' face. Rogers sort of does a whirling dervish, like spinning and like fades off the back of his foot and just throws one up in the end zone, which in the corner of the end zone, somehow Aaron Jones comes down with in the back of the end zone, catches it. The offense goes nuts. They're freaking out and going crazy. I think forgetting the fact that uh, the, the situation they were in was they were down by seven points. Uh, so they, there was six points and they were going to go for two. Um, the interesting aspect is after this play, they attempted the next play from the seven yard line. So I don't know if, because the offense was celebrating, they gave them like a delay of game penalty or something. And they made the offense go from like the seven or eight yard line and not the whatever, but anyway, they had to go for two from like the seven yard line. And then, uh, Rogers again, once again, was pressured. He throws one Romeo Dobbs comes up with a ridiculous catch, but he was about two yards out of bounds. And now because the offense went not celebrating the defense led by Joe Barry of all people comes out completely mocking the offense and just going nuts. And everyone runs on the field. Um, Dubs thought he was interfered with. It was all fun and games, but it was a really intense two minute period. Um, really quick. I'll let you guys comment on that in just a second. Devondre Campbell had a really good day again. He's been phenomenal in camp. And then the one, the other really interesting note, I don't make much of it yet, but we'll have to keep an eye on it going forward. Zach Tom got starting snaps at left guard and John Runyon was not in on those plays. So it was Runyon started the day as the starting left guard. And then Tom took over snaps. Then Runyon came back. And then in the final two minute drill, it was Zach Tom and not John Runyon Jr. Now, the only thing I think maybe just Runyon needed a little bit of you know extra rest or it didn't seem like an injury issue or maybe they just wanted to see what Tom could do at left guard. Who knows? But like it didn't. The, the, the reason I'm not super concerned about Runyon or anything like that is a because he still to me seems like the best offensive lineman besides Jenkins or Bakhtiari. And it seems to me it would be insane if they all of a sudden benched him in favor of Jake Hansen or Royce Newman or someone like that. Uh, number two is that it wasn't like all of a sudden Zach Tom was with the ones and then John Runyon Jr. was running with the twos. Um, he was just off to the side during those plays. So I think Runyon's safe, but it was an interesting development nonetheless that Tom got snaps with the one and Runyon was out on those plays. 
Perry, I'll start with you first. Comments on anything that happened at practice today. Yeah, you kept tweeting about the Zach Tom thing. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like in practice, they're probably just planning for every case scenario. And they were just like, we put you everywhere. Why not just like try left guard now as like a just in case, see how it goes. So I agree with you. I don't like think too much of it, especially if you don't think John Runyon Jr. is hurt, which yeah. it's like, please like not be, be yeah, hurt. He seemed okay. It didn't seem like, yeah. and again, he came back after. So um, it was just interesting. Nonetheless, like, yeah, you know, maybe sure. they're lighting a fire out under Runyon, you know, you never know what those sort of things are, but uh, it was yeah. interesting. Nonetheless, Alex, any of your takeaways? Uh, well, I got to say the way you described that two minute drill was phenomenal. What, what was the word dwarf? Is that what you used when you said Aaron? Rolling dervish. dervish. Rolling dwarfish. Right. Never heard that term in my life, but I, I pictured perfectly what Rogers did in my head. That's a really interesting sequence though. Um, and I thought you did a nice job explaining that. I had not seen this on Twitter or anything yet. So uh, no, no, no grand takeaways. Uh, good to hear they're having fun. Good to hear Aaron Rodgers is doing Aaron Rodgers stuff and whirling dwarfish or whatever the hell you just said. But uh, super fun stuff and uh, ready to get. Uh, dude, I'm so jacked. We had real football. Now we got another game coming up just like that. Uh, I- I'm so excited. Packers football is back back. Andy, I imagine that touchdown being like that crazy one that Jamal Williams had in the Chiefs game. That's yes, that's what very, I very similar. <laughs> opposite end, opposite side of the end zone. But yes, yeah. and I don't, I don't think Aaron Jones had those ups. I we think we were like all trying to like disseminate what happened on the sidelines. That like it was uh, everyone. Like we were trying to figure. out, We think it was Eric Stokes that was in coverage on the play who tried to like rip the ball out at the end. But like I didn't know Aaron Jones had those ups to go get that ball. He apparently does, and he did. Uh, but it was a really crazy clutch play by Aaron Jones. It was just a really fun. Uh, moment at the very end of practice to again what they thought got the offense the win it, it technically did not but um very fun period very competitive uh between the offense and the defense all right let's get to our our uh, fun topic for today that is stock up and stock down we'll kind of go through this a little bit lightning round here but um Alex, we will start with you. And then what we're doing here is going over a player from the start of training camp through now, now that we're 14 practices, uh, family night, one preseason game in. Uh, we'll start with stock up. Alex, who is a player on your radar who you feel like their stock is up considerably since the start of training camp? All right, so I, I took a different lens. I was going more the last couple of days than That's overall, fine. but I think this still applies, right? Amari Rodgers is a guy we haven't mentioned yet. I, I, I'm sorry, Perry, uh, <laughs> that I wanted to bring up, though. Obviously, the big kick return uh, early in that game on Friday, and, and Rich Bisacci is celebrating with him after, obviously, those two had gone. Uh, I don't want to say butted heads fight, but Bisacci had lit him up a few times in practice the week prior. Uh, but then, obviously, the late touchdown as well for Amari on Friday. Looks sleeker, looks faster. Uh, let's just hope he can produce more than four catches, which is what he did in his rookie year. So uh, I-, I would say Amari Rodgers. Stock actually significantly up. Perry, you had a, a similar thought on Rodgers? I had, I totally agree. Yeah, I just think everything I've heard about the way he looks too and like the way he's moving, the way he can cut, just like his agility. And then you watch him return a kick return for 51 yards. That just felt like <laughs> such a redemption moment for him. Like he's like, I read the tweets. I know what you think of me on special teams. Like I'm going to do better. Oh. Um, but I can give my my next, I, I had a list of them. There were actually a bunch. So like shout out to the Packers. There's a ton of players. Like I feel like we could have talked about in this category, but my stock up is Ty- Tyler Goodson. Um, I thought he just played really, really well in the preseason game. I kind of went with, um, with Alex's thought process. I was like preseason forward, but you know, running back three is 
not kind of open, like up for grabs. And I think going into the season, I thought it would just go like be Patrick Taylor, but he's been hurt and he hasn't like really been playing that great. And I thought Goodson ran really well in the preseason game, um, like really well. Uh, I thought he was like really agile and worked really well behind that offensive line. So I was excited for him because I think him and BJ, you could put BJ Baylor in there too, but I think they both are making like really great cases for themselves. It's not just practice squad guys, but guys that can potentially like really contribute. Yeah, yeah no, Goodson like got it. lit up twice on Friday and he popped right back up and was ready to get after it, which yeah. I love, but he got hit pretty hard two different occasions on uh, in Friday's game. Sorry, Andy, continue. No, you're good. He did. He probably needs to learn to, to run not quite so upright, probably something he can work on a little bit, but um, a couple of things uh, with Goodson first, one of the things that I know, because I did like a stock up after the game and people were asking like, why wasn't Tyler Goodson on your list? And I said, it wasn't because Goodson had a bad game. It's just like, I've seen him at practice every day and I actually had higher expectations for what I thought Goodson was capable of. So so just for those people who thought like that Goodson had a good preseason game, um, let me just tell you, there's a lot more that he can do than what you saw um, in preseason. So uh, he is, he's a very talented player, very excited about him. Um, like I said, there's a couple of things he needs to work on running upright. It's definitely one of those, but uh, overall still very bullish on him. Um, Amari, I still think there's things that he needs to work on route running. Matt LaFleur just mentioned in his press conference today, as well as something he needs to work. On. I think he needs to work on his blocking too, but um, I mentioned it uh, about maybe a week ago, maybe a little bit less of that. Like you can see in his returns, even in practice, just how much more confident he is returning. And like, he's just more decisive. He is more direct with what he's trying to do and he's quicker, right? Like you, you can tell the difference in his foot speed and it's, it's a, a major um, change. And um, I did notice that Amari Rogers blocked me on Twitter and I was very curious because I'm oh. like, I, like one of the things I did this season is like, don't give up on Amari Rogers. And I'm like, I've been very positive. And then I like was looking back at tweets. And then I did realize that back on November 7th of last year, I tweeted Amari Rogers catching punts with all the confidence of a fifth grader at his first boy girl dance. So I have a feeling <laughs> that, that may have been the tweet that got me blocked by Amari oh, no. Rogers, understandably. So Amari, I'm sorry. Uh, it was true at the time, but I still love you. And I hope that uh, you have a phenomenal season and uh, I can understand you blocking me for it. So I get that. Um, so I'm going to go honorable. Can mention, you ask him about it? Cause you're like, are, are you in the locker room? Can I could you ask be in the locker room. I don't, I don't get there. Unfortunately not. Cause I have a whole day job that I got to do and everything yeah. like that. So, um, but I, I guess I could ask him about it, but I think I'll probably pass um, right. honorable mentions on my stock up to Isaiah McDuffie and Vernon Scott, who I both think are trending very much in the right direction, but, uh, for start a camp until now, I know he didn't play in the preseason game, but I got to go Jerron Reed dude has been phenomenal at camp. I can't wait to see him in games. We'll see if he plays in either week two or three of the preseason, but there's a reason they probably didn't play him in week one because he's been that freaking good. Um, the defensive line has been phenomenal. I could just say defensive line as a whole TJ Slayton's another one, but, um, I'm going to go Jerron Reed who has, like I said, been phenomenal at camp so far. So usually that's a kiss of death, by the way, usually that's a jinx. Whoever is like dominating camp then like goes on and struggles. So sorry, Jerron Reed, but he's been, he's been nothing short of phenomenal so far. I had TJ Slayton on, on there. Also. Slayton's very much. In I the think it's just really hard for defensive line to like do anything that makes you go wow and practice and then when you get there them out there in a game you're like whoa you know it's like extra extra yeah. wow moment so Especially yeah when you see some up. of the special things Slayton was doing like stacking people shedding and just using his raw power and athleticism like that dude is a special freak athlete that if he hits like look the heck out that 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 changes this defense entirely because if you get a top end player with that skill set like whoo there's some there's a lot of fun to be had there. All right, uh, Perry, I will let you start with uh, stock down this time. Who is a player whose stock you are down on? 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay. I feel like my stock is kind of always down on him, but I'm always wrong, but I'm going to go with it anyway. But I'm just really down on Jake Hansen. I don't know if it's what I'm missing. I'm like you, Alex. I mean, sometimes maybe offensive line is not my thing, but he just had two horrible penalties in the preseason game. Like you just, you absolutely cannot do those things. And I think when you're vying for a spot where there's, there's a lot of guys who can play in the interior, right? Like the Packers have maybe the tackles or questions, but interior, there's plenty of people who are ready to take those spots. And like you basically in these moments have to be almost perfect in order to like prove that you deserve that. And I just, the penalties for me, I was like, no, we're done here. Alex. Oh, I could go like eight different ways here. I'm going to go with Tyler Davis. Uh, he had a rough game Friday, and and maybe this is my own fault because my expectations for him, as you alluded to a little bit earlier with Goodson, Andy, my expectations for him were high, right? Like we saw some flashes at the end of last year. Uh, we've seen some flashes in practice this year by all means because if I'm not mistaken, Andy, he's been running with the ones quite a bit yep. um, throughout camp. But Friday, two big drops, two tar- or one big drop, obviously, that turned to Jordan Love's first interception, and then a, a second target that he was unable to come up with. Zero catches in the first preseason game. My expectations were for him to really separate himself, right? Maybe throw himself you know, vehemently in that top uh, rotation conversation, but didn't see that in the first preseason game. Uh, but it seemed, Andy, he may have bounced back with a solid practice on Sunday from the little I saw on Twitter. Am I, am I coming out of left field there or am I spot on? He had a nice catch uh, from Rodgers in the middle of the field, caught in stride, get, had some good separation. I had Tyler Davis one on my list as well. Um, listen, if you like a month ago, I, and I had said this multiple times, he to me was the more likely uh, number one starter at tight end in week one of the regular season. Well, guess what? Now Tunyon's potentially back and off the pup list. Um, he's coming off a terrible game where he drops a pass that leads to a pick and had two, at least two blocks that got completely blown up that were completely his fault. Um, and then Deguara's had a good camp. Daphne's had a good camp. Mercedes Lewis is not going anywhere. So like you start doing some roster math and all of a sudden what I thought was like the guy who was going to be number one tight end week one. Now you're like, I still think he's likely to make the team, but like now it's more of a question and he has work to do in these final two weeks, if nothing else. So, um, I'm in agreement on Tyler Davis. I think Jake Hansen, like if, if he wasn't practicing with the ones, you're probably not like too disappointed with where he'd be at. Like overall, like still bad plays, still bad penalties. But like, if he was like a depth piece, you're like, okay, not, not a huge deal. But like with the fact that he was even still with the ones on, on Sunday after a, uh, not great preseason game. I thought for sure that was going to be Zach Tom with Royce Newman inside um, coming off that preseason game. It was not. Um, so that'll be worth keeping an eye on. Um, I'll go with Royce Newman though. Um, I, I legitimately thought after Royce Newman's rookie, I know he wasn't great as rookie year, um, but I thought like the, the fact that he was able to get through a thousand snaps and be like, what I would define as like not terrible. Like there was definitely some plays where you're like, Oh, that's not great. But like, um, also like if you're going to play a thousand snaps as a rookie, there's going to be a few of those moments. And I really thought that from like a technical standpoint, and I thought he'd add some functional strength that he would come back and be significantly better than he was potentially his rookie year. 
Um, I don't necessarily envy the fact that they're moving him between right tackle and right guard. I don't necessarily envy the fact that he's got to go against Rashawn Gary almost every single day at practice. Um, But I just haven't been super impressed with his, uh, you know, improvement or lack thereof. Um, So I would go with Royce Newman. Sammy Watkins was another player that I had on my list too. Um, But I think all of those players are uh, worthy of consideration. All right, really, really quick. I do want to talk a little bit of Jordan Love before we get out of here. Uh, Perry, I'll start with you. Your impressions of Jordan Love following week one preseason against the 49ers. Okay. Everyone has like very polarizing. Weird how that works. About this. Like I'm still very in the middle about him. I just feel like he's clearly improved. Like there's clearly some areas that he's improved on. He's like much more decisive. You can see him not like thinking as much, right? He's just like letting the ball go. He had some beautiful throws and he still has some really like, what the heck was that moments? And I think that's just like either he's still growing and there's still some growing pains, which I think is fair at some point though, like there's not going to be development anymore. And this just might be who he is. And we don't know that yet though, because we've seen him in like four games and he only got to play the first half, which I have lots of questions about. Like why did Danny Etling need an entire half? I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I just think like there's development, clear development, but still a ways to go. And that's just what it is. Alex. Yeah. I'll use some visual aids here. We, I, I, my stock up, stock down card. Uh, you'll notice I have Burkich top of my stock down card. Uh, I, I wrote this before I knew he got caught. You have love on both. I have love on both. That's how neutral I am on what Jordan Love did on Friday. I'm really impressed with comfortability and poise, like in the offense, right? He, he looked like he understood, uh, you know, the offense better than he did a year ago, which makes me feel a little bit better about throwing him in in emergency situations like we had to against Kansas City a year ago. Why I have stocked down is because, like, there's still erratic plays. There's still, you know, mistakes and, and bad reads and just poor decision-making that, that hasn't been cleaned up as much as we'd like to see now in year three. And maybe you could even call it year two for Jordan Love because he didn't have any preseason, obviously wasn't active for any of his games, his quote-unquote rookie year. But you'd wish there was a little bit more progression there, but he does look more comfortable. He understands the offense more. So I'm really neutral on him, right? Like I I could talk about him both positively and negatively after Friday's performance, but I don't think there's a huge grand takeaway from preseason game one. Yeah. Andy, I have a question for you before you answer because – the third interception, I know the first two were like, eh, one of them was clearly Tyler Davis's fault. The third one, like, looked like Jordan Love's fault. Was I missing something? Matt LaFleur said two guys ran wrong routes. Okay, Amari didn't, but the ball was just not placed right. Or, or shocker, the defender who also gets paid made a good play. I don't know. I think I'm going with the latter, but like. Yeah. So a couple of things. And Matt LaFleur made a little bit of mention. LaFleur said today, the ball still shouldn't have gone there. So like, regardless of what routes, like it has to become an off script play at that standpoint, at that point, um, if things aren't going the way that they're supposed to, Amari didn't do a good job of gaining separation. Um, If you do look like there's a, there's a view of it where like he's throwing with anticipation and I think he's expecting, you know, Amari to get a little bit more separation there. I think based on the the look and where he was at again, I think Matt LaFleur is right. Like you just, you, you don't want to throw the ball in that situation. I think you hold it. Um, so I think that's a learning moment for him. I think the accuracy, even if he was throwing with anticipation, I think he needed it a little bit more ahead of the receiver. So even if the defender does cut in and make a play, it's at least a more difficult play for the defender and the receiver has a better chance. So I think there's a little bit of everything. I think his teammates let him down on that play. Didn't get, didn't run the right routes. Didn't get the separation that he needed. I think he needed to 
take the ball down and just do something different and make that an off script play rather than continuing on with it. I think that's my biggest thing right now for Jordan Love is I think you can tell he's still thinking through everything. And that that's why I'm actually somewhat, um, you know, still hopeful in the fact that I think he can potentially still become something is because you never know when that moment's going to come where things just slow down. And he, he has, he clearly has got, he's getting closer. We're seeing signs of him like get hitting balls that he hasn't hit in the past and getting to the top of his drop and ripping the football, which he hasn't done in the past, but it's still inconsistent. You can still tell he's going through everything. Um, and I, I almost equate it to like, at times watching Giannis shoot a three-pointer. And I would, if, if I were to say that I was comparing Jordan Love to Giannis, that's usually going to be a good thing. Uh, but this is like almost at times Giannis shooting a three where you're like, man, like some, like it's, it's mechanical, but it's, it's going in sometimes. And like, at times you're like, all right, I can see what he's trying to do there, but it's still like the, the thought process from mechanics to reads to throwing the football with accuracy is still almost like this mechanical approach at times. There's times the dubs throws a perfect example where you see it all come together, but I just don't think it's quite there yet. So I think there's still a lot of room for growth, but we got to get out of here. Perry, tell us where we can find you. Just follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein and listen to facts, what she said. And Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe and at ESPN Madison. Tune in two to four. We'll talk a lot more Jordan love here on the Packaday podcast. Make sure to tune in. I appreciate both of you. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode on YouTube, but until next time, and as always go Paco. See ya. Go Paco.